This is Power Players with Dan Clark. Hey, it's Dan Clark, Power Players with Dan Clark. Again, with the privilege, the honor, the opportunity to interview student-athletes from the University of Utah, my alma mater. And today's episode is an amazing young man, and I know what you're thinking, I'm thinking it, every fan thinks of it. He, his first name is Miles, that's legit, right? But his second name, his last name is Battle. So maybe he'll name his first son Go-To, or Win The, or something. So come clean, my dear friend, tell us about this amazing name, my gosh. Man, uh, I was born into it. <laughs> nah, uh, you know, growing up, having that last name, it, it was just uh, playing football was probably the, the best thing I could do. <laughs> you know, so almost you perfect, had to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's like the perfect name for football. Um, you know, I played all sports growing up, but on the football field, it just stuck out even the best. So Coach comes in the locker room and, and, and says, where's go-to? <laughs> Battles, right? Yeah, <laughs> where's win, though? <laughs> Okay, so you grew up outskirts of Houston, Texas, four-star recruit. And what really impresses me is that you're, you're a shutdown corner. You're 6'4", you're 205, 210. I think you're bigger than that. But you, all your stats that I've read about is you as this amazing All-American receiver. So when did you transpose your receiving offensive mindset into – defense and part of the question is choose the most difficult position on the field you are you nuts yeah so uh early in my career when I went to Ole Miss you know I was behind guys like DK Metcalf AJ Brown and uh DeMarcus Lodge those types so um early on I wasn't really seeing the field and then around my sophomore year I played receiver um but we got a new new office of coaches so it wasn't the same people that recruited me um that were there coaching so didn't really see much uh, production. So uh, the corners coach that we had come in, uh, Terrell Buckley. Um, so, and if you know who that is, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. And he's a college football Hall of Famer. He's at 50 picks in the NFL. And uh, just one day he randomly came, he came to me after a practice and was like, why don't you come play corner? And I was like, huh? Like, it kind of threw me off for a second. I was like, play corner, like. I've never, like, that's nothing. I ain't played defense like that since I was in, like, middle school. <laughs> so um, when he told me to come over, uh, just knowing his stats and what he did in the league and in college, it was like, okay, well, he must see something. So uh, then the year was 2020. I knew that was COVID season, so that year wasn't really going to count against eligibility. So I was like, you know, why not go try it? You know, um, if he sees something, uh, maybe it could be something special. So with all of your experience as a, an elite uh, receiver, <clears throat> teaches how you've used that skill set, that mindset to get a competitive advantage against corners when you played against them and then how you remember that and you can counteract that to be a better corner because now you can shut down the competitive advantage that an elite receiver would bring against you. Right. So when I was a receiver, um, I always paid attention to the way corners uh, set their feet, use their hands and uh, – where their eyes are looking. Um, so then when I was able to, when I switched to corner, I tried to disguise what I'm doing, make it look like something it's not. Um, and then also when I was a receiver, knowing offense, you have to adjust your alignments for different plays and different type of plays. So like if you're, you move in further from the, uh, closer to the ball because you're trying to get out or you're out wide because you're trying to get back in. So uh, knowing that when I was on offense and then now on defense, seeing offense is 
move, put, put their receivers in different alignments, being able to uh, see that and acknowledge what they're doing, it just uh, helps me that much more. So when you're, they call you a shutdown corner, when you go head up man-to-man, your head's the same level as the offensive receiver and you're just ready to go. How do you get yourself ready for that when you know you're on an island? You know, sure enough, you've got a safety maybe behind if it's cover two or whatever the case may be, but you are still a shutdown corner. I mean, what's the mindset to cinch it up and, and say, here we go again? Uh, you just, I just talk to myself. You know, I'm like, this is what I asked for. You know, this is what I I'm, I look like this. I'm this tall, <laughs> this big. You know, I dare them to come over here, so – uh, just got to put it in your mind that uh, I am that type of player. I am that guy. And uh, whatever I say, I got to stand on it. So just lock in and, and do your job. And one thing that I noticed, <clears throat> I'm kind of skeptical in my old age watching them, the mindset of athletes. And one of the things that I need to compliment you in front of the world then is that you're not that stereotypical DB who waits for the dude to pass you and then you tackle him from behind. You had two of the great hits in the game. You lit the folks up. <laughs> so let's talk, man. You're a receiver, now you're a cornerback, and all of a sudden you got the mindset of a middle linebacker. Where did that come from? Yeah, well, I am I'm not gonna lie, early on when I first switched the corner, I had did have to get adjusted to it. I was, you know, just going for legs and stuff like that, but as I, as I learned the position and learned the mindset that you have to have on defense in general, um, you got to take it to them before they could take it to you. So, And then, again, you know, I'm 6'4", 205. Like, I got it. So it's like I, I can give it to them, too. Like, I can go tackle somebody, and I don't got to wait to get hit. I can do hit people. So um, just being able to put all my force into it and, and uh, be aggressive. That's the main thing. I remember one of the very first <clears throat> guys drafted in the NFL as a large as a fast, your prototype safety um, was Kenny Easley out of UCLA. He was about your size. And yet part of his reputation that he brought to the NFL was the same reputation that Ronnie Lott brings to the, to the table. Don't even think about coming across the middle. Don't even think about, you know, pulling up on a hook or whatever the case may be. So is that reputation important for you? Because you really were physical in the last three games. Good for you. Yeah, you know, um, the the reputation at corners I, I feel I have across the nation is that they not, they're not good tacklers or they don't like to tackle. They just like to, you know, cover, look pretty, get the ball and, and stuff like that. Uh, but being able to tackle and showing that you're willing to tackle on the edges, I feel like, uh, just just is a premium, uh, especially in the NFL for uh, for people at my position. And then uh, being able to do it is just uh, a plus. Especially if you read, you smoke out the screen early and you come up on the ball. Yeah, I watch, man. I yeah. watch, baby. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jan Pro Franchise Development. Thank you so much for supporting our amazing student athletes at the University of Utah. Okay, so let's take us back to Houston. So, Cy, what, what's the name of your high school? Cy Creek High yes, School, sir. and it's outside of Houston. Yes, sir. What's, what side? I've been to Houston so many times. Uh, that's the uh, north side. So by Spring, by Woodlands, by King? Yeah, yeah. King, it's King? it's, it's uh, like 30, 30-ish minutes before you get to Woodlands and stuff. So it's close. It's a little closer in. but Very cool. Yeah, up that way. So your high school, to, to get so many receptions and to, to score so many touchdowns through the air, what kind of an offense did you run in high school that allowed you to showcase your amazing skills? 
We ran an air raid offense. <laughs> we ran four four uh, out receivers and um, just throw the ball. Open open back though, just yeah, the quarterback. Back. Well, man. we would have our running back be back there sometimes, but he was a he was a real good skill position player too. So he was able to line up in the slot and uh, do a lot of jet sweeps and stuff like that as well. So it was like hundred yard volleyball. You just go yeah. deep, get get open miles, and I'll and I'll find you. Yeah, I mean my main my favorite routes <laughs> were goes and posts. So. <laughs> Just throw it up. It's good. So, growing up, tell us about your family life. Uh, yeah, you know, family life was great. You know, um, I grew up with both my parents, uh, thankfully. Uh, I have a little sister. She's athletic, too. She plays uh, softball at Texas Southern. Um, I have a lot of close friends that I've been growing up with since I was little. Uh, we're still all close to this day, so it's, it's, been, it's been great. Very cool. When you said you're a multi-sport athlete, what other sports did you play? Uh, so I I grew up playing football, basketball, uh, baseball for a little bit, and then I also played lacrosse. Yeah, you kidding me? <laughs> no, for real. Yeah, I get that reaction a lot, but yeah, I played lacrosse. You know, one of my closest buddies, he played on a D one lacrosse team while I was still playing ball. He invited me to practice. That was the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. Nah, Some guy waxed me with a stick, and yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go to prison. I'm going to find this guy and kill him. No, nah, lacrosse is de- – is, I would say lacrosse <laughs> is just as or if or more physical than football just because you actually have, like, a, the stick. It's like almost <laughs> uh, literally a weapon, and then the pads that you're wearing yeah. are nowhere near what you're wearing for football. So, uh, But, yeah, that sport, it taught me a lot. Of, it uh, really conditioned me. Because uh, it's a nonstop sport, so yeah. you don't slow down. Um, but being able to do play that, and I feel like growing up playing all those sports kind of foreshadowed me being able to play corner now. That's what I was just going to ask like, you. Because I played I play basketball, lacrosse, like being able to guard people on the run, basketball, being able to have that pl- play backwards, basically, uh, when you're on defense. I feel like it all just – kind of led up to me being able to play corner now. Isn't that interesting, Ma? So in basketball, <clears throat> sometimes what makes you the best player on the court is what you do without the ball. Right. How you move without the ball. Isn't that great? Good for you. So, you know, personal story. So I got a lot of attention, a lot of acc- accolades my junior year in high school. And then I got hurt my third game in my senior year, so I thought all my scholarship offers were going to f- fall away. And the reason why I still got my football scholarships is because the recruiters, the coaches, could see my agility on the basketball court. Mm. So I bring that up. I want you to teach the parents listening of why they shouldn't just relegate their teenage son or daughter to just one sport. Why, like you said, cross-training and the things you learn by participating in other sports help you become a very, very exceptional athlete. You know, basketball, it showed off my agility yeah. That I could go left and right, not just north and south. And I can only imagine what a great athlete you were in all sports. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of that, like when I was I was leaving basketball games, going to football practices, going to leaving uh, football games and traveling, going to a lacrosse tournament the next day type oh, yeah. stuff. So, but yeah, um, definitely put your kid in, in um, all different kind of sports because. Uh, just the the type of movement that you do in each sport is so different that whenever you bring it all together, it just creates like a masterpiece. So football is obviously like more forward movements and physical. Basketball is agility, being able to jump. Uh, you don't, I mean, certain players jump in football, but in basketball, everybody has to jump, you know, and, and being able to do stuff off one leg in football. And then 
like soccer is having a lot. If you play soccer, you have a lot of good footwork. Um, uh, soccer players, I feel I like have some of the best footwork out of anybody because you can't use your hands. So it's basically all feet. So I coached high school football for six and a half years. We won the state championship one year here in Utah. And uh, when we were soft on the receiving court, we went to the soccer soccer fields and said, hey, it's time for you to play football and talk their parents into it. And yeah, yeah because of their right. footwork, they, uh, they had greater balance. They did the toe touches out of bounds you know, more easily and with greater grace than just a regular old receiver, yeah. Right, and and that just ha- – with the hip development and, and uh, ankle development and stuff with, with soccer and all these other sports, uh, just being able to play at a high level at all of those, whichever sport you do end up choosing or chooses you, you um, it just uh, – it makes it that much better for you. So tell us about your mom and dad. That's so cool. You grew up in a two-parent household. Were they athletes and were they competitive? To talk about their support for you. You know, they try to say they, they take uh, responsibility for me and my sister being so athletic, but uh, they didn't play past high school. Sorry, mom and dad. I had to put that out there. But, yeah, they didn't play past high school, but, um, you know, they supported us through everything. So, you know, like I said, I was going from basketball tournaments to lacrosse to football back my dad was taking me everywhere. You know, he he really I don't I can count on one hand how many football games he's missed since I was little. Um, like even till now, like coming from Texas to Utah, he's still making that trip um just about every game. Um and then my sister playing all the uh doing softball, all the tournaments that she was at, my mom was always there and, and if we didn't have any if I didn't have anything going on, I was going with them. We were all going to support her. They they was all coming to support me. So um yeah, we've 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 been around the state of Texas a lot uh, during during our childhood, just with all the sports. So, what teams in Texas were in your conference? Uh, so some that was it six A, five A, yeah, six A, six A. Yeah, um, I know my senior year, Cy Fair won state. Um, we played Cy Ranch. Uh, some of the schools out there like Katy. I never played them, but they're also in 6A was Allen, oh, Allen yeah. High School. Yeah, that's out in Dallas. Yeah, big-time, big-time yeah. program. They yeah. get like 20,000 folks at their games. Yeah, like their yeah, stadium. their stadium. Yeah, it yeah, looks like the U. Yeah, it looks just like a college stadium. And people be surprised, like, when they see uh, high school stadiums in Texas, I'm like, yeah, that's where we put They're like, y'all had a jumbotron? <laughs> and y'all had uh, uh, replays and all that stuff? So I was like, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty normal out there. <laughs> I know. They got into the NIL way before it was legal, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. So let's get personal. So what's your favorite food? Uh, my favorite food, I'm a big breakfast guy. So uh, growing up, my uh, my favorite thing that my mom always cooked was French toast. And that still to this day is probably my favorite food. So have you found a favorite hot spot here in Utah and Salt Lake to get some French toast going? Come on. The one place that I've seen, that I've been to the most that's been consistent with it is is the Park Cafe. Now we're talking right yeah. across from Liberty Park. Yeah, yeah. They, it's I can't, one of I went our there favorite on, places. Yeah, I went there on my visit um, when I came here, and uh, they sold me on, on with yeah. their French toast. So. You still got some syrup right there. Oh, right, for dude, real? I'm oh, just kidding you, baby. <laughs> so NIL Park Cafe, pay attention, man. You need to step up. He just sucked up to you. You need to suck up to him. <laughs> University of Utah student-athletes especially want to thank Jan Pro for their undying support of our amazing athletic programs. Hey, favorite music, man. Favorite music? <clears throat> um, hip-hop. You know, okay. 
Yeah. Um, Do you rely on that to get you ready for game day and game game time? Yeah, I would say uh, listen to a lot of hip hop, but just outside of that, you know, growing up, my dad, he was a he was a DJ when he was younger, so wow. he kind of uh, when I was growing up, he just played all kinds of music from hip hop to like uh, the funky music to to uh, rock and roll sometimes, just all types of music. So. Uh, Sometimes when we be at practice, they'll be playing songs, and I might not know the names of them, but I know the song. And then they'd be like, "How hey, you know?" I was like, "Man, I, I told y'all I know every every all types of music." Now <laughs> I might not know the name of who sings it, but I know this song. So, what's your game day routine? Let's get let's break it down. So, Weber State teed off at twelve noon, so mm-hmm. that morning's different than if you teed off at six p.m. against uh, you know Florida or somebody. Right. So, um, I normally get up before the uh, the um, the uh, bed, the wake up call. I normally get up before then, just because my body is used to getting up early. So I'll get up, you know, uh, look at my notes a little bit before I go before we go down for breakfast. Since it was an early kickoff, breakfast was our pregame meal. So um, go down, eat the pregame meal, uh, just relax, get on the bus. When I get to the stadium, um, you know, I change my little pregame uh, workout stuff. Uh, I go out on the field with just my shoe with my shoes on, not my cleats yet. Uh, just my shoes, you know, just walk around, see see how the weather's feeling and, you know, see where the sun's at. Uh, just check everything out, you know, um, listen to some music, catch a few balls. Um, just get get grounded into where I'm at, you know, just get get my mind ready. You know, we got, it's game time now, so uh, just getting focused and calm and then go back in, get taped, uh, put my cleats on, come out. And you're still – your heartbeat's slow, you're still mellow, you're still way yeah. relaxed. Yeah, you know, and at this point in my career, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm I'm big in my faith now, and so uh, what God has for me is already written. So it's it's no point in stressing over what's getting ready to happen. It's already written. So I just uh, just take it as it's coming, and then just uh, go out there and play. So I just you know warm my body up, get ready for get ready for the game. Um, but we yeah, like when I say when I come back out there with my cleats on, then it, I'm real really moving like game speed cuts and stuff like that. Uh, real, real ball drills and and stuff like that, and then uh, go in and uh, put that music on again and get ready and get to going. Okay, so in the corporate world, when I speak, I always remind people that a competitive advantage is never created by doing more than your competition. A competitive advantage is always and only created by doing what your competition is not willing to do. So, what makes you stand out as this as this amazing young man who happens to play football you know I think it's what I do behind closed doors not just on the field you know off the field I'm if I'm not doing my schoolwork uh and since I've graduated so I I have a lot more time on my hands than I would say like the regular student athlete does so uh you know I do a lot of film work film study looking at what the offense what other offenses are doing I try to pick up on you know little things that you know I, uh, one of my coaches a, a while ago told me this. He was like, see a lot, see a little, see a little, see a lot. So if you take a, a few little things to each game, and, and Coach Shaw put it in his own words too, he's like, take something to the party. So as you always have a few little nuggets that you take to the party, to the game, and uh, as long as you have those and then you, when you when it comes, you know it's coming. So uh, like like you said, when I saw the screen um, I, in my bowl game that year, 
um, I knew that play was coming because I knew the formation. And then when they motioned him like that, I knew it was getting ready to come. And I, I didn't want to go too early because I still wanted him to throw <laughs> yeah, it. So absolutely. I was like, let me let me wait. And then when he came, I threw he threw it. I knew it was over. I knew what was going to happen. So Yeah, you lit him up. That was a good hit. So, <clears throat> you know, I love interviewing D, D linemen and um, mostly D, DNs and linebackers because I always ask them how – how soon does it take them to find a competitive advantage when the offense breaks the huddle? There's always one boneheaded lineman who always looks to where the play is going to go. Or the quarterback doesn't catch on and he'll lick his fingers every time he's going to pass it and he doesn't when he hands it off. There are all those little things to look for. Yeah. So what do you look for as a cornerback out there on that island and it's you mono on mono? What can you pick up in film study to give you the competitive advantage over the guy you're playing against? Um, I look at how their stance is. You know, if they're if they if they're standing a little tall, um, most cases they're either just running off or like not really about to run a real route. Um, but if they look like you know they're they're like locked in, like oh I gotta get open because then most cases it's like okay I know they they about to either run a real route or or whatever. So and then again with the film study knowing the the formations, I can tell when they're even if they do line up like that, if they're getting ready to block or if it's, if it's a, like a block look or if it's a, a route look. Um, and then uh, also like if they have more weight on certain if, – if they have more weight on their front foot or their back foot, like if they're about to uh, – so if they know I'm going to try and uh, jam them, I know they're going to either try and step back or do like do a, a split release and stuff like that. And uh, really I, I look at uh, – like the way we have it cut up is we can see – uh, everything they do versus press. So oh, yeah. then so then you get to see, like, what people do, what their go-to moves are, you know, um, at the line. So being able to prepare for that. and um, So one play in particular on Saturday, yesterday, uh, your press corner and your receiver goes in motion and you have to go clear across the line of sc- – I mean, clear across the field to follow him. And I was thinking, is he going to go in front of the linebackers? Is he going to go back of the linebackers? Do you just kind of go with the feel, or do they teach you exactly that lane of traffic that you're supposed to stay in when you follow your man-to-man guy across the field? Uh, typically, they would like for us to go behind the backers. So if they hike hike the ball, that the we're not in the linebackers' uh, vision, so they can still see the run fits and everything. Um, but in in like on Saturday, I knew that typically they don't hike the ball before the receiver crosses the QB. So I knew I could, especially the linebacker closest to me, I could go in front of him but go around the other ones just in case they did hike it a little soon. But I knew they were a big screen team, so just being able to uh, get over there as fast as I could was the main goal. Yeah. Okay, so teach us – I'm trying to ask questions that every fan wants to know. So when it's a go pattern, when it's a corner, or when it's a when it's a, a – uh, post pattern as we call them and you're running side by side of the receiver teach us what you're supposed to do do you look when they look or what do you do come on uh so typically it you can look when they look but it depends on where you are so if you're in front of them I would say don't look when they look because then they could you know it's easy they refs always favor the receiver I've played (laughs) both sides so I know (laughs) they always favor the receiver so if you look and they're behind you, they are most likely going to do a little push-off and it's not going to get caught, and uh, that creates separation. So typically if you're underneath, and then I just play through the hands at that point. But if you're next to them or on top and you're running and you can see the ball and you can still see them, then it's just go play the ball. Like um, 
at the end of the Baylor, that last play of the Baylor game, uh, it was a big controversy if it was pass interference or not. I was like, I was going for the ball. I wasn't even really worried about him. He was over there trying to flop. I was just trying to go get the ball. Um, and from what the ref said, he said that was the ultimate thing was I wasn't trying to, like, impede him. I was going for the ball, um, which, I mean, you see, it wasn't no, there was no flag. Of course there wasn't. No. <laughs> okay, so talk about using the sideline as a as a as an extra guy helping you on man to man coverage. Teach the, the fans in the stands how you utilize that. Would you line up inside to take away the quick slant? The famous Jerry Rice, you know, he'd catch a three yard pass and then sprint for eighty yards. So his yards after catch were the highest in the yeah. NFL. But that was because of that magical slant. So do you, with your athleticism, do you try to take away that inside slant and then use the sideline as your as your helper, as your as your ace in the hole? Teach us about that. Yeah. So most times when I'm out there on the island, I do I I take away the inside slant first uh, because that's the one of the easiest throws for a quarterback to make. So uh, being able to take that away early is is very beneficial for me. And then with my length, um, like I think one of my my arm is a little over three feet long, just one of them. So. Being able to widen the receiver out to the sideline, there's no there's no real room for the quarterback to put the ball. Um, so as we and even if we're running down the field, I'm six four. So then he also has to drop it <laughs> like almost perfect. Um, you notice I, how he slid in this little comment just to up his NFL status. <laughs> that was very tactful. That was very clever. <clears throat> Maybe we need him to repeat that so he goes up to the first round <laughs> instead of the late first round. Come on, baby. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm also six four, so they have to put it in there. Way to bring that up again. Yeah, this is good. Hey man, <laughs> put my put myself out there. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I mean, I've, I've there's been a couple times that the ball has hit me in the back because they couldn't put it in. Like there's there's no room for them to like you know drop the ball in there. So uh, I use the sideline, and then if they get close enough to it, I'm just might as well take them out of bounds. If, if they're gonna go out there, why not keep them there? So. Um, yeah, that sideline is, is, is your friend. It's, it's like two on one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I brought this up at the very, very beginning. I want to <clears throat> revisit it. So if you had a chance to play any position on the field, what would it be? You know, I would actually want to really try play quarterback. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the other hardest position on the field. I know, man, you're <laughs> psycho. I mean, you know, I've, Playing defense, offense, I, I've learned um, the, the offensive playbook and the defensive playbook um, in the same years um, before. So, I mean, I know quarterback, you have to know what the linemen and everybody else are doing as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in Little League, I played quarterback for a little bit. I, I was on the all-star team, so why not, you know? Maybe try it um, out to see what it'd be like. You go, know, I'm go, tall enough to play quarterback. I know. Go talk to Kyle. Maybe they got it around, you know, put you in on a – Yeah, Wildcat pack. Come on, baby. You know what I'm saying? Naked, hand it to you, and I'll let you throw it. So hey, since he's I'm a lefty, runner, I'm a lefty. That's yeah, even yeah. better. Screws up the defense. <laughs> and they're like, what? Okay, more personal. So <clears throat> if you're by yourself and you have nobody to cook for you, what's your go-to meal? That I would cook? Yeah. Um, you know, I can cook, though. So <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can cook a little something. Um, so it's French toast again. Stupid question. Sorry. <laughs> I would cook that for breakfast and for lunch. So I come to your house sometime, your apartment, you got like 19 loaves of bread in the <laughs> covered and a bunch of eggs, and you're like, hey, right. I'm golden. This is good. <laughs> but um, a real <clears throat> meal would probably be, uh, I'm, one meal that I like to cook a lot is um, 
Shrimp Alfredo. Dude. Yeah, Shrimp Alfredo. White sauce. Yep. You got my cell phone number? (laughs) (laughs) I get it after this. This podcast episode is brought to you by Jan Pro. Thank you for supporting our student athletes at the University of Utah. Okay, this is my favorite question that I ask every athlete. I want you to, uh, I'll ask you two questions. The first one is, so I've spoken at Ole Miss. I've been there. I've been, to, you know, there's nothing like that conference. Mm-hmm. Who, who else recruited you come out of the high school? Why did you choose Ole Miss? And then I'll ask you the last question. Uh, so I can't quite remember everybody, but I know oh, I remember my, my top five. <laughs> my top five was um, it was Oregon, Ole Miss, LSU, TCU, and Baylor. Not a bad pedigree there. Yeah. Um, so um, at my junior year, I was committed to Oregon though for a little while, um, but then some. But then co- you became a man of faith and saw the light. <laughs> this is good to know. The coaching changes that they had there, so then I was unsure about who all the coaches were going to be. So, um, But when I was committed to Oregon, um, Ole Miss was probably the strongest school that still was like, you know, you never know what's going to happen, so we're going to still recruit you and uh, still push hard to get you. So um, uh, I really appreciated that, and, and when I decommitted, it was like, well, you know, they've been around and been sticking around, been trying to get me to flip and everything. So just um, – it was like, okay, yeah, that's where I'm going. So why did you decommit? Teach us the mindset of an elite athlete. It's, is it mostly because the coaching staff changes? We know how that is. If a coach loves you and they recruit you for the right reason and then they leave, right. it's kind of an uphill battle because coaches like to bring in the players that they brought in sometimes, right? Yeah, that and <clears throat> Oregon was so far away from Texas with uh, with me with not having the coaches there that were going to recruit me. It's like I'm going that far away from home. And then also not having the coaches that was there that recruited me would would have uh, would have been uh, difficult for me. So, um, and maybe you were a little bit too far away from your family, you know, subconsciously. Yeah, you're like, I'd sure like my mom and dad to show up every once in a while. And that right? Yeah. And like I told you, my dad likes to come to every game. Oh, so yeah. he was he was trying to figure out how he was going to do it. Um, coming all, going all the way out there to Oregon, like you know, out there to get there. I don't think there's a straight flight. So he was. A, <laughs> My first time actually in Utah was <laughs> as fast as it was on my way there. I had to take a flight here first <laughs> and then get to get to there. So it was there's no straight flight. So um that was one thing I was like, Yeah, that's that's a little far and it's not driving distance either. But So then you go to Mississippi, you're on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go to Old Miss Dad because it's closer. <laughs> no. Well, you know, and that well for at that time it was more of you know well, I was a receiver, so I knew they had Laquan Treadwell had just went to the league oh, not yeah. too long ago, and then they had AJ and DK were, oh, were yeah. big. Uh, I think AJ was the number one receiver in uh, in the country at the time, like uh, in college at the time. So coming behind those guys, um, there was a lot of attention on the receiver room. So that and that's what I was playing at the time. So it was it was kind of that too, you know, uh, playing that and playing into that. So that's the last question. So why did you decide to come to Utah in your senior year? And uh, I want you to look in the camera like I ask every student athlete to do and just tell every young man and every young man's parents why they should come to Utah, what makes this program so special. You know, for me, it was um, the, the big family atmosphere that I experienced when I first came on my visit here was uh, like nowhere else I've been. When did you come on your visit? 
during Rose Bowl prep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so and then I saw the snow too. So oh yeah. So on my visit, you know, um, well back. Let me back up a little bit. So when I got the call about Utah when I was in the portal, um, I already knew in the back of my head. Like whenever they called me, I was like, you know, I know they're known for defense DBs specifically. And lots and, of guys um, going in the NFL, lot, second most in getting, the country. Yeah, everybody getting picked up to the NFL. And then when I got and saw, like, the way everything was ran here, it all makes sense. You know, we can, everything we do here is compared to the NFL. We compare it to the NFL. We set it up like the NFL. Your responsibilities are like in the NFL. So it just it shows why the NFL respects everything that, the, that Utah does. And then, um, like I said, the family aspect, we do everything as a family here – there's no just offense, defense. Everybody's together. Um, even after like after every practice, we bring it up and shake hands with everybody. Like where I, where I was at previously, we didn't do stuff like that. You know, we might bring it up, but then after that, you're gone. Um, but we do everything as a team, and um, I feel like that shows up in pressure situations. And then uh, if you want to make it to the next level, man, this is the place to do it. It's like we set every, like I say, we set everything up like it's the NFL here. So. It's like it's almost like a factory. <laughs> yeah. And we're famous for turning three-star recruits into four- and five-star recruits and yeah. first- and second-round draft picks. But then when somebody at your caliber, I want to compliment you in front of everybody, you just it's, it adds so much to the credibility of our program to attract somebody like you who's not just an elite athlete, but you're an elite human being. Thanks for being a, Thank you. a and, role model for and everybody. And, you know, um, another thing is – all these coaches here have been here or played here for a long time. You know, like Coach Witt's been here for I don't know how many years. I think it's, he's going on 70. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, down to the strength staff, like, they a lot of them played here or from here or, uh, you know, they played here. And so it's just like everybody's bought into the, the way things are, are ran and, and it's almost in their blood, you know. And uh, where I was at, you know, I've – had what two different head coaches three four different coordinators three position three four position coaches in the span of four years so it's like and versus here where they've all been here 10 plus years almost so just the the established um status of all the coaches is uh was another thing I was like I ain't got to worry about them going anywhere and uh the proof is in the pudding of what they've been doing you know they've won we've won two Pac-12 championships going on the third now and what's really cool is how many of you athletes, <clears throat> including my my class, stay here to, to raise our families. We like the culture. We like the, the camaraderie. And, you know, we've got six season tickets on the 50 on the four-yard line. I, I mean, on 50-yard line on the fourth row. And, you know, I, I make a pretty good donation so that the coach can hear the plays I've been calling. <laughs> and he hasn't freaking called one of them in all these years. But I bring that up because once a Ute, always a Ute, man. And this is one of the greatest places to come back and live. So after yeah. you become rich and famous in the NFL, which will obviously happen, I hope you think about settling down here and letting us keep sucking up to you for, <laughs> for giving us so much entertainment. It's such a quality of, of of a Saturday or a Thursday night. You're just all that in a bag of chips, my <laughs> friend. You really are. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, I know I've actually said I was, I was talking to my family. But I was like, you know, I wouldn't mind having like a little a little house or something like up in the mountain because like the it. view here is crazy. That's something I never seen 
uh, growing up in Texas, you know, you don't ever see mountains. No, it's so um, it's so flat in Houston. You can sit on your front porch and watch your dog run away for three and a half days, and now you come to the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. That's a whole different deal. See the mount- like even driving on the highway, sometimes I'm like, man, yeah. there's mountains. Like they're right there. They look like you can almost touch them. Like it's like a, it looks like a, a a postcard, really. And it's so fun to. Uh, interact with some of the opposing teams coming in because they're in awe too that's the first thing they notice pulling into yeah. the stadium they're like whoa like it's right there i know and, and then they get a taste of that elevation and it's a different it's, story yeah and that's <laughs> our competitive advantage yes yeah. it definitely is i knew like the first game i knew they went good because <laughs> i'm coming from the south i was like yeah i remember when i first got here like I, it was it was an adjustment oh, yeah. so and this, that was their first time and they had pads on i knew it was wraps. <laughs> Well, we've been talking to Miles Battle, and yes, that's not a st- stage name. <clears throat> that's his call sign. If you're in the in the Air Force, it's Maverick. It's you know Top Gun. It's Bad Mouth. Oh, I, I guess I can't say that, but I just did. You're just such a great human being. I'm so grateful that you were on our our program. And if you're in the NIL space, please take advantage of the opportunity to put your money where your mouth is, and step up to support these young men. Not just to attract them to come like a four-star recruit, Mr. Battle here, but to get them to stay and understand the appreciation that we as Ute fans really have for them and their families. And uh, when I played back in the you know 1700s, it was against NCAA rules to even get you know be able to sell your tickets to a booster or anything like that. And and now things have changed. And let's step it up and be at least one of the top five power conference teams with the NIL support of our players, beginning with Miles Battle, number one. And I can't wait to see you tee it up against UCLA, my friend. That's going to be a great test, and you're one of the leaders on the field, and I'll be watching you every play. (laughs) Yes, sir. I can't wait to go out there and play that game. And shout-out to the Utah fans. You know, uh, they really, really surprised me, and they really support me, too, you know, uh, on and off the field. And – at that Baylor game, to see that many people come out there, I was like, yo, that's a little different now. Like, we had a whole, like, real section out there. I was like, okay. Just like the Pac-12 championship and yeah, it's more Ute like, fans. Yeah, we travel like, well. Yeah, they tra- we travel <clears throat> real well. But um, it's because of the character that you have off the field. you got to know that. We're supporting you. We, we are Utes. You, you represent us, and we're so proud to be part of it. Thanks. Yeah, man, I'm glad to be here. Okay. This is Dan Clark, Power Players with – Dan Clark, tune in. And uh, again, my guest has been Miles Battle, number one in the program, number one in your heart. A 6'4, 205 pound shutdown corner. Very entertaining to watch. And a physicality that you bring to the table, as long as your speed is pretty cool. So I challenge everybody to be a fan as I am. Thanks for joining us today, man. Thank you for having me. It's good. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.